Hi, I'm Robert Duncan McNeil, Tom Paris from Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Retrek. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek on Krypton Radio, and of course available on your favourite podcatcher. I'm Captain Jim, and I'm here with Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And you're back from Sci-Fi Ball. Yeah, Southampton Sci-Fi Ball 25. Great time. It certainly looked it. I mean, as you guys were nice enough to point out a few times on last week's podcast, I didn't manage to make that one. (laughs) You weren't jealous, were you? Not at all. No, no, no. no. <laughs> He's doing a Vulcan impression at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this week, then, we've got a bit of catching up to do because we've had two episodes of Discovery that we've um, not covered yet. We had, first of all, A Noble for Charon, and then we had Saints of Imperfection. It's a shame, really, that we're sort of having to mush these two together. So I thought these were two really strong episodes. Yeah, I could have done easy an episode on Noble for sure. Oh, I, that, I think... It's, I think uh, we, I now have a new favourite episode of Discovery. Yeah, I think one. I'm <laughs> probably on the same wavelength then. I think, you know, it'd be up there in probably all-time yeah. favourite tracks. I thought it was a really, really good episode. And then, the you know, the Saints of Invention wasn't too shabby. No, it was a bit slower than what we've seen. There wasn't as much action. No. But there was a lot going on. Yeah, there were, we're tying up a lot of plots now. Yeah, as we, we finding out what's going on. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk through them, um, maybe not in as much detail as we usually do, but hopefully we'll touch on all yeah. the main points as we... Still no Spock. No, still, that's what I was going to get to. I mean... We were warned this in the first 15 minutes of episode one. Captain Pike wrote the fourth wall and told us all, Keep your expectations low and you won't be disappointed. <laughs> and none true. of us realised he was talking to us all. That's, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Because, um, yeah, at first I, w- I was, you were thinking we'd get Spock quite early and I said, oh, no, I think it'll be a bit later. But I think they're, they're milking it a little bit now, well, you know. They're now saying it's going to be episode seven. I've heard rumours. Right, so, so what's that? we're not even going to see him next week. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the problem is that they put him in the teaser trailers, so we know he's coming. I mean, obviously, you knew he was coming anyway. Yeah. But we've seen footage of him in the trailers, so, so like, oh, you assume it must be quite keep soon. Keep expectations low. Well, that's <laughs> it. But, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the, the Spock fake-outs as we go through, but Noble for Charon, then. We start off in the um, transporter room and we meet number one. Yeah, nice to see her. Yeah, and they kept her name as number one. Yeah, we still don't know her real name. Which hasn't been revealed. Well, it's, it's been... She was given a name in some of the books recently and they called her Una, U-N-A. Yeah, I've and seen that as well. But... Obviously, the books are not canon. And I like the fact that they've kept it. We, we don't know yeah. what her real name is. And Hopefully they will reveal it at some point. Well, I don't know. I mean, we've not had it revealed in 50-odd years, so yeah, I don't really but think But I think if she comes back onto Voyager, we can have Captain Pike call her number one. On but Discovery? I don't think... She can't to Voyager, sorry. that'd be a bit of a shock. Sorry. I d- it's because I've just met Robert. Oh, that, oh right. <laughs> Is that going to be answer to everything now? <laughs> Captain Pike can call her number one, but the rest of the crew won't be able to call her that. Yeah, I think if you're going to have her as a more of a regular character, we'll have to call her something. And she's played by Rebecca Romain, um, who was Mystique in the X-Men films. Yeah. So another X-Men Star Trek uh, crossover there. 
And did you notice that she had a pad that was very much like the TOS pad? Yes, I did. She had that big sort of clunky... I like that. I thought that was a nice sort of little... um, a visual yeah, sort of callback. I think they're trying to retcon quite a lot of things at the moment. Yeah, because they had the bit where they said the Enterprise is uh, really broken and whatnot, and Pike's blaming it on the hollow transmitters. So yeah, he's so ordered they're getting, that, of, they're getting rid of the hollow transmitters. Yeah, they're having all of them ripped out. So that, and presumably that'll become a sort of fleet wide thing yeah. that they find out they don't work. That, yeah, the technology they're using for the hollow transmitters at, at it, this period of time. Causes other problems, so yeah, and that you know, I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah, I can live with I have that. No problem with it. Did you see the little Scotty joke where they said we'll never have an engineer who loves <laughs> the Enterprise yeah. the same? Yeah, yeah, that was a good one for the audience. There was a bit where Number One said that she was kind of using unofficial channels, which is something we're going to see a lot more of in the next episode. I think there's a lot of unofficial channels go on. There does seem to be, yeah, we're sort of seeing... Uh, yeah, but Discovery itself is a top secret. Well, yes, shit. it is. So, yeah, I like I like that as well, a little kind of nod to where we're going to go in the next episode and possibly in the next season and certainly in the, the spin-off that we're yeah. getting coming soon. Then we get um, a sequence where we're back with Stamets and Tilly and May and we're picking up on or the, the blob that was formerly called May and we're sort of picking up on that plot line and... Tilly sort of talks about how May was someone who believed in her and they yeah. had sort of a bit of a connection. And I thought it was a really nice sort of visual thing where Tilly had a hand on the glass and the blob the kind blob of reached hand, up. Yeah, created like a handshake. Yeah, so it's this... I mean, I think this is a theme we're going to hit on this episode a load of times where it's it's trying to communicate in different ways, yeah. which is kind of a through line that we get there. Then we get a briefing in Pike's swanky new ready room, which again, it just seems to get bigger and bigger, that room, every time we yeah, see it. Yeah, they've knocked out a couple of walls, haven't they? De- definitely but must have done something. on the outside at ship. Aye, that'd be cool <laughs> if you could see it as well from Wyoming. Or just have people working on it, hasn't yeah. Some light fencing round it while they're building it. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see a briefing in Star Trek. A yeah. lot of people bizarrely complained about that. Like, there's not enough meetings. Yeah. Star Trek always well, has meetings. Well, Loco was different, wasn't he? And yeah. He was obviously the mirror Loco, so he was, he it was interested his way. in this sort he of thing. He didn't want other people's opinions, it was what he wanted to yeah. do. Yeah. But I, li- I like that we get a briefing with all the staff involved and uh, we get a sort of revisit from Linus and he's talking. <laughs> he gives us our first hint as kind of where we're going to go with this Universal Translator thing. So he says, the Universal Translator doesn't always pick up my clicks. And yeah. And whatnot, so we're going to get uh, that a little bit more revisited. We also get the first hints that all's not well with Saru. Yeah, he's, uh, he's kind of holding his head. And... Yeah, that like was that a pot of sugar, a salt, sorry, pot of salt he put in his uh, bowl of soup. It looked yeah, like it, it, and then ask for more. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be dehydrated. Yeah, oh no, that dehydrated more, wasn't it? The opposite, it could be overly <laughs> hydrated. And then. Um, Commander Nan sort of welcomed back on board. Yeah. So as we find out in the next episode, she's going to become the new chief of security. Yeah. What do you think the thing is with her? Are they just space braces, do we think? I or? think it's um, because of a species. I think it's given her a different right. form of uh, gas to breathe. Ah, I think it's right. Breathing. Like, what was that guy in Next Gen? Where's the uh, crushes, mate? Mordok or yeah. Mendon or something. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think it's something like that where it's just for breathing. Yeah, that makes sense. And then Michael, at this point, says she doesn't want to see Spock. She wants to kind of... Well, this is following on from the previous episode with Amanda. Yeah, she's trying to kind of absolve herself from that and take a step back from it, and she doesn't want to compromise the mission and all of this. And I like, again, I like the dynamic that's building up between Pike and Burnham, because Pike's like, okay, I'll respect your wishes, but not at the expense of the mission. If we need you, you're going to talk to any kind of thing. which is right. Absolutely. No, again, it's... I mean, we've talked about how great Pike is a few times. and Yeah, I think he's turned out to be one of like our top captains. Yeah, he is. He's <laughs> great. He's very what you'd expect from a Starfleet yeah. captain, which is obviously the contrast to Lorca. But yeah, I like the way he's building this kind of relationship with, uh, with Michael. Um, we get the credits, then we come back from the credits, and we've got uh, this scene with Pike and Linus and Burnham. 
and the 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 sphere appears. Yeah, this sphere, like a huge big red thing appears, <laughs> and they've been looking for seven huge big red things. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, and nobody really makes the no, connection. No, I'm surprised at that because yeah. like I still think is this one of the signals? Not a red angel, but the red angels. Is yeah, it, is it? it is it connected signals. in some yeah, way? Is, it, is this one of those, the signals? That was looks, my first thought. It looks very much like what we've been seeing yeah. on all these maps. We've and been looking for all these red things, <laughs> yeah. And you're right, nobody sort of says, oh, oh. could this be connected to... <laughs> they're just kind of like, oh, this is inconvenient. Yeah, <laughs> it's a giant red thing. We've not been looking for one of them. <laughs> I like the fact as well that it is just a giant red thing. It's sort of... It calls back to the original series, like where you had the in the Carbonite maneuver. It was a big square was the first ship, yeah. and it was a big circle was the next <laughs> ship. Or like when you had the giant space amoeba, and yeah, do I, I like that it's got that sort of sense of wonder. Like there are strange things yeah, out there. Yeah, things are not expected. You're finding new yeah. things. And then we get this scene with the Universal Translator. So Michael starts speaking Klingon. I think Pike starts speaking French. Yeah, he's speaking French. Uh, Dita's speaking Arabic. Yeah, so everything's just kind of jumping all over the place. And one thing I noticed was they talk about um, the displays on the consoles are in different languages, which I thought was a nice touch, and that makes sense that... Yeah, if, you'd... Like, if, if you speak French, what's good is a display in English. Yeah, you'd log on to your the, workstation and it'd calibrate to your language, yeah, which... which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that, that was a nice touch. So something that affects the Universal Translator will affect all the displays and everything as well. And, of course, they then bring in this thing that we've had mentioned is that Saru speaks 92 languages. Yeah. And so he can come in and try and mediate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, when it says... Does no, did no one else learn another language? I find that that no one does speak another language. I don't know. I mean, if you look at, I mean, more specifically, sort of Western society now, people are reluctant to learn other languages. Yeah. And we say, oh well, you know, everything's in English anyway. And when I say we, I'm generalising, but you know, we talk about well, everything's in English anyway, and we can always get it translated. Google Translate. And can We've you imagine how much that. easier that is if there's just a universal translator? Yeah. There? You don't even need What's to. The, why take the hassle of learning? Yeah, you don't even need to crack a dictionary or anything to do it. But no, it's a, you would expect. Yeah, I imagine. Starfleet, I, I imagine Burnham speaks Vulcan as a first language. If she's been raised on Vulcan. Yeah, from a very young age, you yeah. would imagine she's certainly picked up some of it. I can imagine speaks English because he's from Montana. Yeah, that again makes sense. And yeah, I suppose he's probably German. I suppose this sort of answers one of the things people talk about in Star Trek is, you know, are they all speaking English or are they all speaking their own languages and the Universal Translators doing it? And this seems to lean towards they're all speaking, speaking their own, their own language, language. Which I'm happy with that. That's yeah, fine. Like. I know people who speak foreign languages, you're sp still thinking your own language. Yeah. yeah. So you have a delay in yeah. translating. So it speeds up things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it's a fun sequence as well with everybody <laughs> struggling and whatnot. And Saru manages to, I think what he does is he resets it to English. So anyone who's speaking English will be all right for the time being. Yeah. Um, but then him and Burnham have to go off to repair the rest of it. Um, then we get a sequence where uh, we get Renault coming back. Yeah, yeah I like Renault. I think she's I do. Funny. And I like this sort of banter she has with Stamets. <laughs> this reminded me of sort of Spock and McCoy from the yeah, original series. Yeah, I'm getting that sort of vibe <clears> from it. There's... And because they are sort of total opposites, like Stamets is really into kind of advanced technology, whereas she's talking about duct tape and everything. Just for a piece of gum. And it's not not for gum, it's so she can fix something with it. Yeah, that was good, yeah. And um, while all this is going on, Saru's getting progressively worse. Um, Tilly and Stamets and Renault get locked in... I keep wanting to call it engineering, but it's not really engineering, is it? It's the, it's the spa drive lab. Yeah. But it's... For all intents and purposes... It, it's, it's part of engineering. It, it's our engineering, it's engineering for discovery, lab. yeah. So they're kind of locked in there, and this is 
in a way, it kind of brings to mind episodes like Disaster in The Next Generation where everything's locked down and everybody's in, in the real partnership or the DS9 ones, it's Civil Defence where yeah. the Cardassian thing comes on. So it's kind of a classic Star Trek setup. While all this is going on, though, May escapes and we also get like a visual gag where Tilly's had an electric shock, so yeah. <laughs> they have Mary Wiseman's hairs all, all she, over the place. You know, she has a lot of hair. Um, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, I feel like I got electrocuted for the second time in a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's had a bit of bad luck, really, hasn't yeah. she? <laughs> and then Saru explains to us: uh, Is it Vahari? He called the the process that he's going through. Yeah, which is, is Scanglia. Yeah, which is basically my understanding of it is that this is a thing that happens to the Kelpians, and they know that when this starts that's when they have to be culled by yeah. the other species. And he says the the other outcome of that is that you go mad with the pain and yeah. whatnot. So it seems that he's coming to the end of um, his natural life cycle. Yeah, that's what we all we all led to believe that. But of course, he's not on his own planet, so he can't be culled. So he's expecting basically to to go mad and die in pain and everything, and you know we'll we'll come back to that later on. Tilly sort of gets infected by May, and we get this bit where she's speaking through Tilly, and we get the well, main characters. Well, we have how they have to how they have to put a translation into <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, you get that. Whatever he knows, got the drill. Yeah, Sabbath drills a hole actually in her head. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> but again, that that's sort of. Um, I like that Reno's very practical about it. She's like, yeah, yeah here's my drill. We'll do, we'll do this. Sterilise the drill bit. <laughs> and it reminds me of the bit where in Star Trek Fall, where Bones is in the 20th century hospital, he's drilling holes in his head's not the answer, man. <laughs> So a bit of, I don't know whether it was an intentional callback, but it reminded me of that. I think it's because Reno reminds me of Bones that much. That's where I went with that. While that happens, though, I like that Stamets asks her what her favourite song is, and she starts singing Space Oddity. Yeah. And there's a load of things I love about that. Like, first of all, it's using a fairly contemporary song in Star Trek, which we don't get very often. Like, it, it's yeah. not often we get, mainly probably because of licensing issues. Like, I know they had, uh, in the DS9 episode, I think it's Explorers, where O'Brien and Bashir get drunk, and they end up singing Jerusalem. They wanted to have them singing Louie Louie, but they couldn't, or they, they well, didn't the want it so well, they couldn't pay for the rights. So they went with a song that's public domain. So, but I, you know, of course we're still going to be listening to David yeah. Bowie in 200 well, years' time. Well, would that be a bit like how people listen to Mozart? Absolutely, yeah. The classic. But I think previously Star Trek sort of shied away from that and kind of... Yeah. Well, this was actually the second mention of a, a song. Because oh, we yeah. already had uh, Renault five, five, ten minutes earlier. She uh, makes reference to Prince. Oh, because she does, yeah. So, yeah, the, but it, it is things like that that I like, that we get these call-outs to, yeah. to pop culture and... The other thing that I really like about it is that, again, tying into the theme of the episode, Space Oddities about someone communicating over huge distances and finding a way to speak to people. And I think that's quite beautiful how they, yeah, they, could, they could have chosen any song. But, but they, they chose one that ties in. Yeah, that ties in. I think that's you know really, really good stuff. I liked the other scene. We get a scene in Sick Bay, and you've got Burnham and Pike... Uh, having a chat, talking about what they're going to do, but they're applying a dressing to a patient at the same yeah, time. Yeah, they're helping with Which, triage. Yeah, exactly. And, that you know, that's great. That shows sort of a, a practicality to it all. I mean, yeah. On one level, it makes the scene more visually interesting, but it's good But that, why would they stand back? At, they've, they've obviously, yeah. have, even if it's first aid training, yeah. and they it, would it, have some. And it shows there's no sort of... Um, sort of privilege or anything of the captain he's willing to yeah, literally he get his, his hands, hands dirty hands yeah in. then there's um, a great bit with Saru and Burnham where Saru asks Burnham basically to collate his life story 
and put all of his memoirs together and his records and everything. And she replies that it'd be a privilege and she sort of talks about his past, really, and he tells her why he can't go home, yeah. which we, we sort of saw we, in the short track. we saw in the short, we got that. Yeah, and there's also another thing they're doing with the episode is there's a time scale which is sort of put in place here. We need to resolve this um the probe. Did they call it the probe or the sphere? The sphere. The sphere. Um, we need to resolve the sphere because we're going to lose Spock's Ion Trail or whatever it is. Yeah, we're going to lose the trail chasing, but... So that gives it sort of an imperative to get everything um, sorted out. Another great line Renault has around this time is she says, they're talking about what to do about the parasite, she says, I could cut it off and she won't even lose a freckle. (laughs) (laughs) And you believe her, I think she probably would do. (laughs) And then Saru kind of works out what's going on with the sphere. He says it's not first contact, it's last contact that it's trying yeah. to that it's trying yeah, to do they've, it. They've dated it now. So is it hundred thousand years uh, they say it is. I thought it was ten thousand years. Ten thousand it might be. I might have added a hundred thousand would have been nicer actually because it'd have tied into Iconians nice. <laughs> that would have done you <laughs> more on your theory. Yeah. But um, yeah it was ten thousand years. Yeah. But and they also like live. It's a living thing. It isn't just a yeah a huge rock or um, a machine. It's actually a living. And what the what the sphere is trying to do, like impart its knowledge and everything, is kind of exactly what um, Saru wanted to do by passing his legacy on to Burnham. Yeah, it, it, all it's so, trying to do is communicate. Yeah, so there's a nice symmetry between what Saru's going through and what what's going on with the the sphere. He talks about, like, his theory then is that his death process was started because because the sphere's dying yeah. and his species are incredibly empathetic. It's kind of triggered yeah. which, this process in him, which, again, makes a lot makes of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And I like that, you know, everything's going on on the bridge and Pike's basically about to open fire on the sphere, but... Again, with how awesome Pike is, he he's, lets... He's willing to listen yeah, to one of his senior officers, that's actually. It. He lets Saru explain his theory of what's going on. And he basically says, you know, if there's a chance he's right, then we've got to yeah. we've got to find out. If it is this old, what it's seen and what it knows could be just a huge amount <laughs> of... You know, it could be a light... Well... Not a life-changing thing, but, you know, it, it could be more than that. You know, the impact yes. it could have. And there's a lovely look um, between Owo and Detmer. They sort of look at each other when they're talking about White Nose and everything, and it's this this sort of pride in what Starfleet does, which yeah. is something that's that's come through a lot of times this season. Yeah, but... I think Pike's really trying to get the crew back into... Yeah. You're, you're a Starfleet crew, you're not. Yeah, I was thinking about it's It's kind of like there was sort of a family that had kind of an abusive father figure. Yeah. And now that he's gone, Pike's kind of rehabilitating them and getting them back to where they should have been. Yeah. Because if it was your first sort of assignment under Lorca, I imagine you would have become quite disillusioned with Starfleet and thought, you know what, this is this, yeah, what, this, this is, is not, not what I thought. Is, this is what I signed up for. Yeah, exactly. And Pike's rebuilding that in them, which is great eventually what Pike agrees to is to let them lower the shields, which could kill them. But he says, you know, um, his oath and his conscience won't allow him to do anything else. And it's worth the risk if the knowledge they could gain from the sphere. So effectively, he is opening them up to die, but he's willing to do it because that's what Starfleet does, which, again, I think is Well, he's ready as well as... He's also said, be ready to detonate the warp core yeah. because it's it's exploding, will f- fling us away. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure it would have done. I think, I think maybe it might have actually, with shields down, I think it would just wipe them out. Yeah, I, I think what that is, is he's trying to placate people yeah. a little bit. But I think everybody knows at that stage that, <laughs> yeah, if we have to do that, it's probably not going to work. But what actually does happen is the sphere saves them. Yeah. And pushes them away, and it allows them to tell its story, which I think's a 
lovely, lovely yeah, ending it, to that story. It tells story. them everything it's learned and saves them so that they can do it. So they can pass it's, on its legacy, yeah. That's just such a good Star Trek concept idea. And it's executed perfectly. Because weirdly, I read online, like, people were a little bit sort of sniffy about this episode. And it was the first one this season that I think's had... Not negative reviews, but less sort of glowing reviews. I don't know. I've seen. Um, a, I saw a lot of people sort of that were really loving this episode. That it, yeah, most fed. But I think there's. I think if you go in the forums, you've got to be careful because there's people who just seem to be on a lot of the forums at the moment who are just out to so discontent. Oh no, there is absolutely um, that on the forums. But I, I was talking more about like the. Uh, magazines and entertainment websites right. and things, reviews, and they they seem to have been very positive up until this one. Whereas I was watching it thinking this is one of the best. I think episodes. it's one of the best episodes I've done. Yeah, if if I not, think it is the best episode. Yeah, if I've not done. the best discovery. <laughs> so, but anyway, the episode's not done. The the we have to wrap up the Saru story and the May story and the May story. Um, I love the bit where. Saru says, you know, it's my time now. And everybody stands as Burnham takes yeah. him off the bridge in a sign of respect. You know, that's Yeah, really there's nothing that could be done, done to save him. But it's it, it's the sign of respect for the comrade. And not just the comrade, but the man who has effectively been their captain yeah. for a, a period of time. I mean, we talked I about how long that we, might have been. We're but. unsure about the period of time, but I think it's... Possibly somewhere around a year that he was acting captain. Yeah, and even at this point, he's supposedly sharing it with Pike. I'm not yeah. quite sure how that's um, working, but I think Pike's the captain. I, I, I think so. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I love how there's that sign of respect for them all, and then we get the sequence with uh, with him and Michael. Um, we don't get a huge debate because effectively. She's he's asking her to euthanize him so that he doesn't go mad. Go mad. But we don't get a debate on the ethics of that. Like uh the the TNG episode where Worf asked Riker to kill him. Yeah. But, but the the difference there is that Worf wasn't gonna die, he was gonna be paralysed. Yeah, here where we've it, got we've got a species that believes when your ganglia is gonna go, you need to cut it off or you'll go mad and you're gonna be cold because you'll die. Yeah, so, so I, I think part, yeah. he he believes this is all part of his natural life cycle, and this is he does, and he wants to die without going mad. Yeah, and I understand that, but it is still euthanasia effectively, and I think maybe we should have had just a. I mean, there's probably not a lot of times so this is a packed episode, yeah. but I would have maybe liked something to acknowledge it. But I suppose you can sort of headcanon it to some I think some everyone extent. just. Said, I think. The whole crew just acknowledged this is his life cycle and there's nothing no, there's, there's nothing, nothing medically that can be done no. to stop it. So this is it, and that's why they all stood in respect when he left the bridge. Oh, yeah, I mean, they knew he was sort of going to his death, and maybe Michael didn't know that was what he was going to ask her to do when they went down. You know, she yeah. was expecting to go watch him die naturally. And she has sort of a dilemma as, I can't do it, and great acting from Sonequa Martin-Green again, who just seems to be getting better yeah. and better. Um, they have this really touching thing where they affirm that the family, Michael goes so far as to say she loves him, and, you know, it's great that they've come to that stage. Yeah, they've sort of gone full circle, haven't they? Yeah, they started off very good friends. Yeah, well, there was a, they were good there friends. There was sort of a bit rivalry. Rivalry. Yeah. At first. Then they fell out because of Georgia, but they've all come, they've come full circle. Yeah, and I really really like that. And then Saru asks her to mend a relationship with Spock, uh, which puts her sort of takes her from where she started the episode, not wanting to yeah, that she now to wants see him, and she now will. she now has to. Then the ganglia fall out on their own, and all of a sudden Saru doesn't feel any fear. Yeah, he feels it's... powerful, and this leads to the revelation that what they've been told is a lie. <laughs> and I was thinking about this in terms. He said, "You know, I couldn't go back to my people, but I, I think he will be able to now because the the predator species. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the short trek, they said that they were post warp, but it was the Kelpians who were pre warp. 
Yeah. So now there's a post-warp um, species that the Federation knows is lying to another species in order to basically murder them. Yeah, and to... so that's something the Federation yeah, think, would have think, to get involved. Yeah, in. I'm thinking that it does change General Order One. Yeah, well, I don't think because we're still on General Order One, we're not on Prime Directive yeah. yet. Because yeah, I don't think it. Because the thing is now. They're not interfering with the natural development of the Kelpians. There, there would be. Well, they are. The Kelpians are being affected. Well, that, that's it. Exactly. They they would be interfering in a species that is basically oppressing yeah. another one, an intelligent species, even though they're, they're pre-war. That, there's all sorts of things here, and it's sort of like, um, one of the best theories. It was it the bowel who. Uh, I forget the name, yeah. The... They're oppressing them. Yeah. But I've heard some great theories and people saying that perhaps that is Kelpians who've lost the ganglia. <laughs> ah, and yeah, and that take, makes And they sense. take them that way, but we don't know yet. It's all and then that Because that would be interesting. So you could tell a story then about the elite, the 1%, yeah. and they're the ones that who are... They're actually killing them. They're, they're, yeah. They're, they're withholding this knowledge so that not everybody gets elevated to that yeah. position that could be a very good story and it's why are they doing this to themselves it's yeah so that's we, uh, why do the Kelpians think that the a prey species yeah we've got to go back to Saru's yeah, planet I think, I think in the future maybe not this season but I'd like to see it this season I'd like to see something if, something this season if I was Saru I'd be pushing for it I mean obviously we've got a lot of other stuff going on but you know, they've got but to sort the, out this red light. There's a lot thing. there to go at now. Definitely. So I'm looking forward to whenever we get it, the follow-up with that. Uh, and the episode finishes basically with a, a hook for next week, uh, which is this sort of a really trippy scene with Stamets and, yeah. uh, and Reno. Now, what got me here in this scene is there's some dust on your face. So Stamets uh, puts, licks his finger and puts it off yeah. Reno's face and then licks it and he goes... Oh, it's silly cyber magic mushrooms. Now he's a Starfleet officer. As how does he know what these drugs are? Is he been dropping drugs? <laughs> I'm not being he, funny to taste something and know yeah. exactly what drug it is. He does work a lot with mushrooms. Though. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, yeah, it's you maybe shouldn't uh, maybe showed his hand a bit too soon yeah. there. Shouldn't yeah, I mean, I shouldn't be able to taste a drug and tell you exactly what it is yeah. straight away. Well, we don't know a lot about Stamets' past, <laughs> you know. He might have experimented while at Starfleet yes. Academy. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably why he knows David Bowie's songs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the mushrooms probably helped in some of the more psychedelic ones. So should we move on straight on to the next episode yeah, then, Saints like, of Imperfection? Yeah, I, I interrupted there, but so, uh, no, no. Well, Tilly's vanished. Tilly's vanished, and that's, and that's where basically that's... Not really part of the normal <laughs> for Sharon, really. That that's no. just your hook for next week. Um, the this episode, just want to uh, sort of call out the writer, which is Kirsten Bayer, who she did the um, the weird one with Saru in the first season, where he went down to the planet and ah. he lost his sense of fear. Now that was probably my least favorite of the first season of Discovery. Yeah. But I think she's done a lot better with this one. This is, for me, a, a far, far stronger episode. Like, to be fair, when we, I think there's a, like we just said, there's a lot to come with the Saru story. When we look back, we might find out that it's just the start of the Saru story where he's losing his fear. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> that because he says that after he's lost the ganglia. So I was wondering if there will be some kind of call back to that. But um, this episode then starts with Michael's running through the ship to get down to see Tilly. This reminded me of Kirk in the Wrath of Khan when he's running down to the engine room yeah, you know, to see Spock. See Spock just... And it, it, it's a very similar sort of thing. And she's sort I of... think Michael's a bit more athletic at doing it. Perhaps so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, again, I don't know whether it was deliberate, or but she's sort of pushing people out of the way. And it just reminded me of yeah. how Kirk runs down there. I'm not sure I needed the voiceover. Like, you want to get it at the beginning and at the end. It it just seems weird. Like, why are we doing an internal monologue now? Do it as a, a log or something. Yeah. You know? 
it it just seemed yeah, pers- odd. Do, doing them as personal logs. Yeah. It just seemed a weird framing device, and it's not yeah. something have we've we actually had a captain's log or anything in Discovery. We've I've had. We've had a couple of personal logs from yeah. Michael, and that's about we it. We haven't had any captain's logs. Though. Not that I can recall, but yeah, I'd have just make this a personal log. It just seems it's a storytelling device we don't see on Star Trek, and yeah, the reason we don't see it on Star Trek is because if we want an internal monologue, we do a log. Yeah, we and have that, personal logs. And that's how we get it all. It, it's just a weird. I don't think it overly harms the episode but it, it's just odd I, I didn't expect it but either way basically they're still after Spock's shuttle and we get this kind of action sequence where they're they're trying to catch the shuttle up yeah they found they found it they this, just uh, found it on scanners yeah. and then we get the they ignites the plasma and they shoot past him and yeah well I'm saying him but we'll get to who it actually is in a second we get an action sequence, which is all very nice. We get the shuttle brought in. Uh, did you think this was going to be Spock? No, too easy. No, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. It was at the start of the episode. I still, I still go with which episode, every episode we get him at. It'll be in the last few yeah, minutes. I, I'm totally with that. So yeah, for the same reason, I thought there's no way it's actually going to be Spock. I was surprised it was Giorgio though. Yeah. I wasn't anticipating that. So. Yeah, it worked as a surprise, but maybe not quite the way they were expecting. I mean, one thing I will say about, like, we talked at the start a little bit about how uh, the withholding Spock thing's getting a bit silly now, but what they're managing to do, I think, is you get these episodes, it starts off and you think, right, are we going to get Spock? And then they pull the rug out from under your feet and go, no, you're not. But the episode manages to be engaging enough that... by the end of it, you're, you're not really bo- bothered. Yeah, you've you not had care. Spock. Oh, well, maybe so, next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's you know it's not too much of a detriment I, to it, but it is. I'm trying getting... to think, um, like the movie, the search for Spock. I'm trying to think how late in the actual movie it was that we actually saw Leonard Nimoy. Oh, it was very, it's, very late. Yeah, yeah so it's the first time you see him. Um, it's probably the last 15 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's after Kirk's killed Krug. Yeah. And then he sort of rolls Spock's body over and that's the first time yeah. it's Nimoy. So, yeah. But we've already had a longer search for Spock in Discovery than yeah, we have if you look in that at, film. Like, a season compared to the movie, oh. percentage-wise, yeah, yeah, I think we'll see, see Spock a lot quicker. Yeah, because we're, we're just over a third through now, yeah. so we'll see how it pans out. I'm still going like it, as they've revealed, episode seven to say now. Right, we'll we'll see where... That's where rumours are. So we've and got I'm one more go week and then... Yeah, we'll see. Um, there's... A good bit where they all raise the phases because, you know, obviously... They, they didn't know who was on board they didn't or, know what, who was or, on board, or what, what Spock was going to be like. This is it. and But then Michael doesn't lower it when she sees it's Georgia, <laughs> which tips Pike off that something's not quite right. We get a nice sort of sequence where Pike says, ah, we met at the Academy and, you know, uh, you were really good at regulations and whatnot. And Giorgio realises that what he's doing is testing her yeah. as to why didn't you identify yourself and whatnot. And um, I like the way Michelle Yeoh's playing... Jo- well, we'll call her Giorgio. But yeah. Mirror Giorgio, but... Well, I think if... Should we call <coughs> Mirror Giorgio Giorgio? We'll call Prime... Yeah. Uh, Philippa. Yeah, we'll do that. I <laughs> that mean, makes it We don't easier. have to talk about Philippa as much usually, so yeah. Um, so it's I like that she's injecting a bit of humour into it. Yeah, uh, she's she's been very playful with people, and then we get the scene in the turbo lift, and she shows them the black delta, which again is this. You see, we talked about does everyone know about thirty one last now- time. Now I've uh, I wrote an article on the forum yesterday about Section Thirty One, and Article Fourteen, Section Thirty One, is part of the Federation Charter. So mm-hmm. I believe every cadet should have to learn the Federation Charter, so everyone should know what I'm sure Section Thirty One is. On the other hand, I believe there's also the covert side right. of it, this organisation. Yeah, and most people don't know what Section yeah. Thirty One is. And the only operating times of war. So they've operated during the Romulan War, mm-hmm. the Klingon War, and then the Dominion War. 
Right. So, so that does make sense. So that makes sense for them to be around now because the Klingon War, oh, we're actually in a ceasefire. The Klingon War isn't over. That's true. I think the thing, I'm seeing it a little bit of a different way. Like I think too many people do seem to know this. It seems like you flash that, the Black Delta, and well, everybody instantly knows well, when that he, means section When 31. Michael first came on board the Discovery, Hmm. We had quite a lot of the crew had the Black Delta. Yeah, they on. did. So I actually think on, on this Discovery is a top secret ship. Yeah. And I know it said that um, Brian Fuller did the registrations, one zero yeah. three one, because he loves Halloween. Yeah. But I think having the three one there was an immediate clue. <laughs> yeah. This ship is top secret and has I ties to secret is. organizations. I I believe this ship has been tied to Section Thirty One all all <coughs> along, and that explains a lot of the reason why some of the technology we see isn't it seen does. again. <laughs> I mean, my theory is, I think, at this point in history, Section 31 is more well-known than it will be later. And I expect that either in Discovery or more likely in the Section 31 spin-off show, I think they're going to either get disavowed or officially disbanded or whatever... And they're going to have to go more covert. Yeah. And that's why by the time... Cause don't forget, DS9's over 100 years 100, later. Yeah. You know, by the time we get there, people <coughs> have forgotten who they are. Whereas I get the sense that at this time, and we get sort of things to support that later in the episode, that it's much more a case of sort of akin to the relationship between, like, the military and the CIA or something yeah. that these agencies do run. They know, they know about each other, but they don't know what they all yeah. each other are up to. And a lot of the criticism comes from people saying, well, in DS9, they don't know who they are. And it's, yeah, but it's 100 years later, and we're in the middle of a start. We've not seen how this story ends, so we can't really yeah. judge. We can't really yeah, say DS9 this is a problem. What? Roughly 140 episodes, give or take. Yeah. We, 20, 22 episodes into yeah. Discovery. The, DS9 yeah. had a lot more ground to go yeah, up with. The thing is, we, we can't judge this story until it's fully Over. told. And, you know, it may well be that they make a hash of the continuity, but I don't think we have yet. I think we're just in the process yeah, of telling I don't the story think, I have we're no, telling. I have no problem. Like... We don't even know if the rest of the Federation understands what Section 31 is when they see a black badge. No, it's true. All we know is they're on the secret ship. Yeah. (laughs) Top secret ship, but (laughs) that does know. And Pike seems like the kind of guy who'd know a few things anyway. Yeah, he recognises it. Um, So then we move on to, like, Stamets and Michael. So what are we going to do to get Tilly back? We get the first sort of mention of the conservation of mass, which will become much more important later on, or the conservation of energy rather yeah. than energy can't be created or destroyed. It just transfers form and everything. And we get an explanation that the cocoon is kind of a mycelial transporter pad. Yeah. <laughs> which I, I can go with. I have no problem. If they want to call it that, yeah. I, I'll go with that. Yeah, I, you know. They've created an organic transporter. That It'll do, me. <laughs> it, it makes... It makes... I'm not going to pretend I understand it all, <laughs> Look, but... They have it, a ship that can fly across the universe on mushrooms, so I'm exactly. sure they can transport people from one place yeah. to another on mushrooms. So then we find out that Tilly's alive because there's no trace of a DNA in it, which means she's been transported and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then we get Tilly in the network, and it still looks quite trippy, but it looks a bit duller than last time we yeah. saw it. And May even makes the point, she says it used to be a paradise, but there's a monster, a monster. that's destroying it. <laughs> that, and that's why she's taken Tilly. She wants Tilly's yeah. help to keep... Defeat the monster. So, how quickly did you guess who the monster might be, or what the monster might be? Uh, pretty fast, actually. Yeah, I, I think I, like because I know that Cooper was coming back, and yeah, I knew that Stamets had seen him in the Mad Serial Network yeah. previously. And we we talked about this. We'd, I think I think this is another one we can chalk up as a yeah a correct prediction yeah, from we us. We knew this was coming. We said guess this was we said it'd be something to do with the network and everything. But yeah, so there's this monster and they've got to go investigate it and everything. We get a little bit more on what May's species is and what they do. Like they 
everything that comes into the network, they break it down and reconstitute it and rebuild it to keep yeah. sort of the kind of the cycle of life going and everything. I liked that May explains that we're in danger until he sort of screams in frustration, but then she says, okay, what do you need me to do? And again, it's this thing of, that's what Starfleet does. Yeah. That's that's their duty. And they I help get, people. Yeah, I get that she's annoyed. You know, she's... It's almost like, oh, why did you say that? Because now I have to help you, <laughs> you know? So, you know, again, it's this thing of that is what Starfleet is and it's showing that these officers are all really good officers we then get um, Section 31 send an envoy to the ship which is of course Ash Tyler which makes sense and it it fits in with this idea we were talking about is Ash going to be a regular on Discovery or are they going to save him for 31 Looks like he's probably going to be doing both for the time being. Well, he's on a liaison. Yeah. So. And I like that Pike struggles with the whole, oh, well, it was Vok that killed Culber, but Ash is a good guy, and he, he's just kind of like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> even if I can accept that, I've still got some questions. And he knows that Michael's not telling him everything at this yeah, point. Yeah, and... But he, then again, he shows why he's good. He goes, look, I'll give you time, but you have to. You are going yeah. to have to tell me. I'm not going to chase you for it. No, he says, oh, do not, don't make me chase don't you. Don't make me chase you, yeah. So again, it's good. He's giving her a bit of space, but he makes it clear that yeah, you will tell Yeah, because about Georgia and yeah. Ash. So there's obviously a lot of things that have gone on on Discovery that even though Pike has top, top secret clearance... He isn't clear for everything. No, he doesn't know everything. <laughs> the, so he doesn't know about the mirror universe, which is why, which I'm fine with that because that ties it in for TOS, why Kirk didn't know Yeah, about it does, because, well, they made the big point of saying they were keeping it yeah. absolutely top secret and it shows that this cover story of Giorgio being the captain, which I think I mentioned on a previous episode that I like that because one of the plot twists that I didn't like in season one was bringing... De- bringing Georgia on and pretending she was the captain and saying she's in charge of the mission and that didn't make sense to me but it does if section 31 orchestrated that because they need her to have an identity so yeah I'm perfectly happy with that Ash talks about everyone at section 31 thinks it's a place where they belong and where we can make sense of things and so I think that gives us an implication that we're going to see a crew of misfits when we get the Section 31 show. Yeah, well, I think... Like, what we've seen through DS9, the little bits of Enterprise, and now in Discovery of Section 31, I don't think you can have perfectly the same people who operate like this. No, there has to be something. I mean, well, the crew we're getting so far, we've got an, an Empress from the Mirror Universe. <laughs> we've got... Leyland, and, and we've got a Klingon who is made to look like a human, and yeah, so it's going to be a bit of an interesting crew. We get a little bit more with Tilly and May, and I like this exchange where uh, Tilly says, "You entered my brain as a spore," and May says, "Thank you, I admire your technology as well." <laughs> so there's there's kind of a bond building between yeah. the two of them, and the. Like- I think we've gone back to that thing, haven't we? That May isn't malicious in no. any way. There was no harm meant to Tilly. No. And like, it looks a bit like the last episode. She's abducted Tilly. She's taken Tilly because she needs a help. She need, yeah. The, the, and she doesn't know what else to do. It's like a last resort. No, that, that's it. And again, it's this idea of trying to communicate. Yeah. She doesn't know how to communicate with humans because, well, she's a spore from another dimension. <laughs> yeah. So. It's pretty good that they managed to do anything, really. We have sort of another briefing on the bridge where we get the plan laid out, so they're going to do a half jump. Yeah. Which will take them half into the mycelial network. Yeah, we've got to jump with no destination. Yeah. (laughs) And then the risk with this is a nice callback to the the sort of... the third episode of the first season where we had the Glen and everybody had been turned inside out. Um. So as a callback to that, that's what the stakes are with this. That could happen. 
And I like And the, also it's gonna start eating the ship as yeah, well. We're, we're gonna have an hour yeah. till it gets through the hole. Yeah, <laughs> so again we're doing that thing of we're setting up a time scale, this is how long we have to deal with it. Um I like that Pike says, you know, Starfleet's a promise and she has every right to expect us. And then that ties in the very next scene where Discovery pops through until he says, Oh, they'll be for me <laughs> the ship kind of appears. And Tilly reinforces that. She says, you know, we keep our promises and they have yeah. this cute sort of pinky swear, pinky swear sequence, which, again, is something from modern culture that we're referencing, which yeah. I like, showing that these things How do kind of stick How long has the pinky swear around. been going, though? I don't know. We'd have to, we'd have to look it up. It's been going a long time. Yeah, I think it's something that's been around a while. Just on a special effects sort of um, level... We see that the the barrier uh, between the my, the mycelial network and the real world goes right through the middle of Stamets's box, which I'm sure if people wanted to, they could use that to work out exactly where that lab is in the layout of yeah, the ship. I've not thought about doing that. Because <laughs> I thought at first it must be bang in the middle, but when you look, it's not exactly half yeah. and half, so... If you want to do that, I'm sure you could pretty much I'm pinpoint sure people will I'm sure they will do, yeah. Um, there's a line that says, the monster's been pursuing discovery after each jump, which is ever... That must be Culber trying to get back yeah. to Stamets. You know, every time discovery comes through, it tries to... Or he tries to get home. Then there's another great line from May where... Tilly says, where is everybody? And she says, maybe they died looking for you. <laughs> she says, oh, thanks for that. And then we inevitably get the reveal of Hugh. Not looking too great, a bit unkempt. <laughs> doing his full lineup. And he's doing... He, he, it turns out that he's sort of caking himself in this bark. Yeah, that bit. bit like Arnie in Predator. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah can't to see protect himself. Yeah, which so, is... Yeah, because yeah, th- we've got like the spores seem as a monster, as a threat. So because it's covered in the bark, in this bark it kills stuff. But he's covered himself in the back to protect himself from yeah. the spores burning him. So but, it's a sort of <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a catch twenty two really. Yeah. They're they're attacking him because he's a foreign body, um, but so he's defending himself. But that's hurting them, so they interpret him as a threat. Which again is a nice dilemma, and it shows. It all comes about because of a lack of communication yeah, this time. lack of communication, lack of understanding. And they do explain it and work through it and everything. Meanwhile, back on the ship, Ash uses the Section 31 com badge, which turns out to be a TNG com badge. Yeah. Which, which, but Pike <coughs> immediately goes, what kind of communicate is yeah. that? And that, I'm sure people will moan about it, but... Oh, they are. That, but that <laughs> makes sense because... The military does have things that are not available to the public. Yeah, you know? and then you have other agencies above. Yeah, that have even further. Exactly. There's and there's so much more advanced technology out there. You know, like I don't want to sound like conspiracy nut and things, but like you know, people in government and military and things like that were using the internet long before we had the internet. Yeah, they have technology that's way way advanced and usually the reason we don't get it is because it costs too much yeah but you know in this case you would imagine that a secret organization would have further advanced technology yeah it makes sense i have no problem with it no i don't Uh, to be fair we've seen nothing after the tos movies till tngs and there's a what 70 odd 78 year gap yeah yeah so, we don't know when the combat came no. in as a communicator. It, it pro- could have been straight after. It probably after. when Section 31 got the next best no, but thing. <laughs> it could have been straight after, so... Yeah, it, we don't know. It isn't know. necessarily 100 years. See, I, 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 like you, I don't think it's an error. I think it makes sense that they yeah. have more advanced technology. Speaking of which, you called it about the Section 31 ship, that it's not cloaked, it's kind of projecting an yeah. image. And in this one, it's pretending to be an asteroid. <laughs> I like that we get the Section 31 ship uh, working alongside Discovery, and it has, it has a weird tractor beam that it fires out sort of three pincers. Yeah, and then... Which then them. turn into tractor beams. Not sure how practical that is in all situations, but I like that 
even though there is this organisation now, you know, and the Section 31 and they're involved in everything, but Pike absolutely asserts his authority. Yeah. And he, he like, he tells Tyler not to speak without permission on his bridge, and he tells Leland what to you do. You will not pull me out of here until I yeah. say. <laughs> and that's great, and I think that speaks a little bit to the relationship between Starfleet and 31. It's not a case of one Section 31 are here, they take over. Pike's just, he's, this is my mission, this is my ship. And I like that he calls Discovery his ship at this yeah. stage. And he, he's not going to let this guy take it over and jeopardise everything. Back in the network then, you have the sort of reunion between Stamets and Hugh. And the sort of a recurring motif we get is the offering of the hand. Like when Michael and Stamets walked through the barrier, they held hands as they went through. And then um, Stamets offers his hand to Hugh. And then it comes back later in the same way, tries to do the same and bring him through the barrier and it it doesn't work. Yeah. We get an explanation of how Hugh's back. And it seems that when Stamets was phasing in and out at the end of season one and he found Hugh's body... He, by touching Hugh, he transferred his energy into the network. Yeah. Um, I I think it works. It's... They've made it work. It does work. Yeah. And it's been on screen now. I don't think it's (laughs) probably exactly what they had planned when they wrote the end of season one. I think it's a very complicated thing to make work. I mean... I think they've pulled it off. I do. I mean, this is the thing. People always complain. They say, well, they're making it up as they go along. All stories are made, made up, up as, as they go, go along, along, you know? <laughs> it's as if you've got to have this master plan in place. But, yeah, it, it worked. It, it fits in with what we saw. It doesn't contradict anything that no, we saw. It's broken no continuity Because some anywhere. people have said, oh, it's a retcon. What happened? It's, no, it's not a retcon. No. It's more information than we had before. Yeah. But it, it doesn't contradict any of the events we saw. And it ties back to earlier in this episode where they talked about energy, energy and how it can translate. And the dilemma that we've got here is that he's been created on that side. In, in energy. So that can't pass through. Um, but they solve that by using the, the mycelial transporter, the cocoon. Yeah. And that creates a bit of a dilemma with May because that means because that she can't won't get be back able to, communicate. to. Yeah, so there's a bit of sadness there that. But Tilly tells her that they'll find, they'll a, find way. a way. So there's a sadness there that her and Tilly's bond is gonna be, gonna be broken there. Um, Culber again is very heroic, like he's willing to die because he doesn't want to disrupt the network any further. And for a second, I thought. That, I mean, uh, Stamets even says, "You're like, I can't lose you again." But I did think, you know, of the of the writers done this, they could have make him go through it. it again. But yeah, it did look that way for. <laughs> it did. They they actually got me with that. I was um, I was thinking that was going to be the end. One thing I found interesting with Giorgio in this is that she actively takes a role to help Discovery here. She says, I'm rerouting this so that I can buy you a few more minutes. Yeah. Despite what Leland said. So, is is the Empress mellowing a little bit now that she's been in this universe? Or is the Empress taking over? Uh, Uh, Or is the Empress playing games? Well, she's... Like, for future end, she needs discovery. Maybe so, yeah. She's got some dirt on Leland by the sound of it. She says, you killed the wrong ambassador. And... (laughs) He says, well, there's no proof of it. She says, well, if someone could get through your firewall, there would be. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's a bit of a power play and maybe yeah. she's asserting her authority over Leland. I don't know. I took it to be... I also think, though, that if she wants to go back at the moment, Discovery is probably the only way that she could go that's, back to the mirror universe. Yes, that's a fair So she point. doesn't want Discovery destroying... Yeah, that's a very good point. She would need, yeah, the mycelial network. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's that. I I took it as maybe she's mellowing a bit and she's no, developed a so. liking. No, I don't think so. <laughs> maybe we'll, well, we will find There's out. There's definitely ulterior motives. I think anything that she does that <laughs> looks like it's helping someone else, 
there's a reason for See, it to her own the, benefit. She she's obviously she's worked a spell on me, but you know, you've not been sucking <laughs> in yet. And then we get the final scene. Uh, well, the the final scene on the Section Thirty One ship. Admiral Cromwell's there. So, yeah. Which, now, well, is it Admiral Crom- Cromwell? Because we've already seen there, Giorgio has um, <laughs> the true. holographic thing for a face. I I thought it was. I thought it was, and but I, thought, I just thought I'd put that out yeah, there. Yeah, it could be. Because Giorgio's suddenly not in the scene anymore. Fair point. And yeah, where did Admiral true. Cromwell come from suddenly to be on the ship? That's very true, it could be. <laughs> but yeah, so again, it's showing that 31 and Starfleet at this stage in history at least are working... Fairly hand in hand, and it looks like they both answer. You know, Pike and Leland have to answer to the Admiralty. Yeah, well, at least to Admiral Cromwell. Yeah, that's true. Maybe she's just like like. Uh, yeah, as I keep saying, Discovery is a top secret ship itself. Yeah, and I, I think Discovery all along, they've had crew with the black badges on, right from the start. Yeah, so yeah. there's obviously ties in there to Section Thirty One. Yeah. Well, we'll as I say that the exact sort of hierarchy of thirty-one. I'm sure is something we're going to explore yeah, in this. I think it's a lot of things that we've got to find out. And the way we leave it here seems to be, Ash is going to be assigned to Discovery for the foreseeable future, as a Section Thirty-One liaison. Yeah. Uh, Leland and Georgia are looking for Spock. And there's this tension between Michael and Georgia yeah. of and I think what you're going to do when you find him. Yeah, I think that's where so we're... I've got a feeling the next, epi- next episode, or definitely episode after, they're going to find Spot. But I think we're going to have an episode of 31 and Discovery working together. It looks that way, doesn't it? It's um, Which I'm happy with. Um, so that pretty much wraps us up. We go, we go back to the weird Michael voiceover at the end. Um, I mean, yeah, again, it, I didn't again, hate it. Per- yeah, I didn't hate it, but I agree with you. It should be a personal yeah, log. It, it's just... It's just an odd device, but anyway, I'm not going to harp on about that too much. We get, we get a bit of a montage. Tilly's sad. Stamets is happy. Michael's feeling. Um, she talks about how if there's a higher being watching over us, hopefully it'll guide as well. Yeah. Which again, that that doesn't feel like it belongs in this episode. It. It feels like it's another draft from an episode that's more about the Red Angel yeah. or something. I think it's just maybe just uh, it's there just to remind us. Yeah, maybe so. So that little bit in the back of our heads. Yeah, I just it, the voiceover didn't work for me, but but the rest of the episode did. So I'm happy with that. We've got time then, just quickly to talk about where we think it's gonna go. I've got a theory. So Spock, not next week, week after Spock. Last five minutes, week after next. Right, and then full on Spock. Then after I think we'll have Spock in a lot. I'm still sticking with the Iconians. Right, and there's been nothing to change. No, my there's mind, been nothing apart from the Red Sphere. Well, I don't think the Red Sphere is connected to the yeah. Angels at this stage. I think it could be, <coughs> could have been one of the signals. It'd be interesting to see next time all the signals light up if there's only six. Yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. I'm, yeah, maybe Spock at the end of next week and then full on the week after. I don't know, I've not read anything about the upcoming episodes, so I don't know. I've, all, all I've seen is one that's it. It's from a few yeah. places down the same that it's been said to be episode seven. So, so. We'll, we'll see where that goes next week. And yeah, um, the Red Angels, we haven't moved much further no, on with. Saru. I, th- I think we'll find a lot more. I think Saru will want to go home at some point. Yeah. And we'll find out who the battle are. I think we've got to deal with Spock before... We're I mean, that. maybe not wrap up the whole Spock story, but... Oh, definitely. I think we've got to be introduced to Spock in Discovery. Then maybe we can go and do the Kelpian stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, the season finale's got to be the Red Angels and Spock and yeah. the whole shebang. I think but... we might have a little bit over the next couple of weeks of... Um, them using the spore drive as a communication device for me until it yeah. as opposed to <coughs> I don't think we're going to see them travelling much more no I think we're going to wrap up the mycelial thing this season as well I think yeah. we've got to we've got to get the answer on why we can't use it and there's been lots of hints of it lots of other things we've looked at I mean 
effectively, they've used it to resurrect a dead person. So I still think, <laughs> I, I think they're going to get they're going to get the wrist slapped for that <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll find out what happens. Um, I think we just about managed to to cover it all. Just about, yeah. And then um, we'll be back to one episode a week, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, probably till the end of March. Till the end of March, and then yeah. we might have something a bit different then. But something we'll, else a bit special coming up. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I think that's that's us done for this week. Yeah. yeah Thank right. you very much, everyone, for listening. This has been Retrek on Krypton Radio and, of course, available on your podcatcher of choice. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter, at RetrekPod, and we're also on Gmail, RetrekPod at gmail.com, or you can look us up on Facebook, just search for the Retrek group, and you're more than welcome to join. Thank you for trekking with us this week. We will see you next time for the Retrek.